And you are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad you're here, as always. And if this is the first time that you've ever tuned in, welcome, and you definitely picked a good show to get started on. In this episode, I am sitting down with Kelly Armitage. She's a globally recognized therapist and expert in the field of psychological trauma and behavioral transformation. Through her personal odyssey, Kelly has evolved into a beacon of healing, offering profound insights into navigating life's challenges. Now, this episode is all about how to dismantle limiting beliefs and behavioral patterns, what's going on in our subconscious, and how can we unpack all of that so that we can live really beautiful lives. I think that's always at the core of what this show is about. Um, But our exploration doesn't stop there. We are diving into the intricate dynamics of mother and father wounds, and we're dissecting their profound impacts on our behaviors and relationships, how things that happen from ages zero to seven, how it impacts the rest of our lives and all of our relationships if we don't bring in the self-awareness and deal with those issues and heal. So this is not your run-of-the-mill self-help spiel. You know this show better than that. This is a candid, no-nonsense discussion rooted in real experiences and tangible solutions, things Kelly's sharing that you can do today to start living a better life. So I hope you learn a lot and uh, enjoy this episode with Kelly Armitage. Well, hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for having me, Liz. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So to get us started, like we always do on this show, I love the guests to provide a little bit of background about themselves to give us kind of a context, a bird's eye view of the events in your life that brought you to the work that you're doing, in your case, in becoming a cognitive behavior therapist. Yeah. So um, I'm a trained counselor, coach, cognitive behavioral therapist, and I'm also the creator of an accredited therapy technique called ASK, which I train other therapists on. Um I was led to this work because of my own trauma. So I had a lot of childhood trauma. um, And then as a young adult, stuff like depression, breakdowns, panic attacks, toxic relationships, IVF issues, you know, aligning with people with addiction issues. So I was just like, I got to a point, I think around 29. And I was like, I need to figure out why my life is like this. I need to learn as to why I'm having these patterns in my life, why I've had all of this trauma. And then I started to study to become a therapist. I mean, it took five years. Um, And then I was in the Middle East at the time, and I opened my own clinic after uh, getting my qualifications and did a lot of healing on myself prior to that. But yeah, wanted to really learn about the mind and human behavior, heal as much as I could within myself, and then share my knowledge. Mm, I love that. that. That's it. That's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah. And um, do you think what was the inner call that you were feeling? Was it was it in like a moment on the bathroom floor or was it a cumulative thing where you were like, okay, this isn't working for me. And your objective mind was like, okay, what can I do to figure this out? Was it a long process or was it overnight? Um, I think the kind of rock bottom for me was I was in my second marriage and it was failing. And when you have a second marriage, you don't want it to fail. You want it to work. So it felt like such a failure for me. And I was kind of 29 at the time, 30 at the time. And I was just like, I've had two nervous breakdowns in my life. My childhood was difficult. I had depression, anxiety. My first marriage didn't work out. And here I am in my second marriage. I have to figure this out. I have to find out why my life is like this. And then I just went on this 
path of healing and learning. And I studied everything about the human mind, behavior. I did my qualifications. I read over a thousand self-help books. I got top therapists and healers and coaches to work with me. I just became kind of addicted in a way to Mm -hmm. learning about um, patterns, behaviors, the human mind and why humans do what they do so that I could understand my own life and through that um, help others. I always I always had a natural empathy with people, kind of like a compassion and an empathy for people's struggles. And um, at the time I was a consultant in the Middle East for a car company, but as opposed to selling cars, I would go to the meetings and the CEOs would sit down and tell me all of their inner secrets and then they'd say, oh, sorry, I, I, don't, I shouldn't have told you that. And then I'd get up. And this just kept happening time and time again. And I thought, I need to be a counsellor as opposed to a car consultant. <laughs> and, it, and, I, and I was led to this path of being a healer, counsellor, therapist, speaker. When you started school, yeah. was there a particular modality or a particular subject that clicked for you that you were like, this was my childhood or this was a pattern that I got from my mother or my, or my father? Like, was there an aha moment when you were still learning? An aha moment about? About anything, about any issue that you were dealing with, maybe one that you didn't even know. Yeah, I just think uh, there were many aha moments in that I would read something or study something and then connect it back to a childhood wound or, um, yeah, I think there were many aha moments and there still are many aha moments, even with clients, you know, in that we can link things back. So current, current issues or problems or patterns for people um, link back to an original trauma um, and I think that can be very much an aha moment for an individual. And I've had many aha moments. I love that. It is exciting. It's like picking up treasures on the side of the road that you didn't even know. Like, and when you start to really see and see the truth, it's like, oh, and then and I'm sure it's just cumulative. You know, the more you start healing, the easier it is. Absolutely. And, it, and it's a, it's a, it's a long journey. It's a lifetime journey, the healing journey, the self-love journey. And it doesn't end, you know, often people will come onto my TikToks and they'll say, I'm healed. And I think, mm, no one's healed. It's a journey. And there's many aha moments on that journey. There's many shifts on that journey. There's times on that journey where you're stagnant, but it's a lifetime journey. And it's the only journey as far as I can say really for a person if they want success abundance love health vibrancy if all those great things that people want in their life I think they have to embark upon this journey um, and it's a cleansing of the mind a cleansing of the heart a cleansing of the spirit a cleansing of the soul Mm, I love that so what would you say is the dominant reason that people come to you for therapy. Um, I know it can be a myriad of issues, but what would you say is the one that you see the most? Oh, oh gosh, I've done over 15,000 sessions in the last 20 years. So, um, oh, gosh, I help people with, you know, with addiction, codependency, toxic relationships. Um, People come to me just struggling. They're in pain. So, you know, they could be in pain because uh, they have a pattern in their relationships or they're in pain because they have a pattern in their career. I don't really have 
specific subjects. People come to me that are in pain and it tends to be attributed to a life area. Mm -hmm. If you look at any human being on the planet, no human being on the planet has a very satisfactory health, career, relationships, parenting, finances, social life, you know, nobody has that. There is always dissatisfaction in one area. So people come to me, I think because of the content I create, it's kind of quite widespread. So people come to me for all different issues, really. You know, I could have somebody with OCD. I could work with a heroin addict. I could work with a CEO that wants to grow his profit in his mm. companies. So it's kind of like a widespread um, area, really, um, which I kind of like that. I like that because um, you can tr you can always trace back someone's issue to a root within the subconscious. And as you release that subconscious trauma or pattern, you help to change that person's life. Oh my God, that has to be so fulfilling. And speaking of the content that you put out, that's how I found you. I saw you on TikTok. It was a video about mother wounds and father wounds. And I was like, nobody is talking about this. This is, I'm sure affects most people in some way. And again, it's not yes. in the mainstream yet. So I would love to talk about what are mother wounds and father wounds and then how does that manifest in our behavior and in our relationships? Yeah, um, I think it's starting to be talked about, which is great, uh, mother and father wounds. So because I think if every human being on the planet can become aware of their mother and father wound and look to work on it, they are going to transform their life. So um, a mother wound and a father wound is if you imagine a baby, they are born, you know, full of love. They're untarnished. They're like an egg. They're like a hard boiled egg, really. And they, they're from the fetus, really, from, from the womb and then outwards, little cracks start to happen to that egg that starts to shape the egg for their future. So a mother wound really is about a lack of mothering. It's the lack that the child received from the mother during childhood. So say, for example, you had a neglectful mother because she had an addiction, perhaps she, perhaps she had an alcohol addiction, then that wounding or lack would be within the child as a mother wound, the hurt, the neglect, the rejection, the pain that they experienced due to that lack of mothering would form into a mother wound. And then that child grows up and their mother wound is, I am in alignment with people who have addictions, right? I feel attracted to people that have addictions. I feel attracted to people that will neglect me, mistreat me, not be there for me. And uh, because there's a wounding cellularly within the being of the person. So they'll align with the person that will mirror their unhealed mother wound. And everybody has a mother wound and a father wound, but some have deeper mother wounds and deeper father wounds than others. Um, a father wound could just be something like your father was a little bit critical. And so then you received that criticism as a child, which felt hurtful and so then you have a wound inside which is I am open to criticism I am open to being judged I am open to being controlled somewhat and then this child grows up and then they attract a friend in their teenage years and they come home and say mommy my friend's always criticizing me and I don't like it but that person's criticizing them because there's a wound there and it mirrors back that unhealed pattern so your mother and your father wounds are the lack of 
of mothering or the lack of fathering. And also within those wounds, you they could be what you model um, regarding your parents. So for me, I had anxiety and depression as a teenager, 18-year-old, nervous breakdowns, but my mother suffered with bipolar anxiety. So I modeled her anxiety. Watching her anxiety when I was a little child made me kind of absorb that anxiety, become anxious myself, and then suffer with anxiety as a teenager. And she would reward the anxiety because it was in alignment with her. So... Mm. Also within your mother and your father wounds can be not only the lack that you've experienced, but also what you've modeled. What are you, we're always picking up everything our parents are doing. You know, when I was a little girl, my mum was, my mum and I were at the bottom of the garden and she saw a spider and she ran up the garden screaming, spider! And I was running behind her going, spider, spider, spider! Until this day, I have the biggest fear of spiders. Yeah. In fact, I was, because I live in this barn and like a barn conversion and, um, there's lots of big spiders in here. So I thought, you know, the spring and the summer's coming and I'm going to get some hypnosis or something to get rid of this mm-hmm. spider fear mm-hmm. that I carried all this time. So yeah, mother and father wounds are the lack from the mother or the father and also what you are subconsciously modeling from a behavior perspective. Wow. So that's, that's so difficult. Anything that's subconscious like that, I feel like it takes a great lift to to even bring in the self-awareness. Are there clues that the woman listening to this right now could could maybe tap into? So even if you don't have access to a wonderful therapist like you, she can start to, I don't know, understand a little bit better. Like, aha, like maybe that's something. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I did this in a mother and father wound workshop that I did a few weeks ago. I said to every attendee in that workshop, I said, you know, what's, if you had a magic wand as a little girl, what would you have changed about your mum? You know, what would you, would you would have made her more or less? So for me, because my mum had kind of trauma and issues, I would have loved my mum to be consistent, stable, secure, and loving. So that's my mother wound. I want her to be consistent, secure, loving, functional, healthy, and so that would be the mother wound, mother wound of what I yearn to have in my relationships. And then you will notice what you wanted to change about your mother or your father. What would I change about my mother? What would I change about my father? You will notice is it is the exact correlation that you would want to change about your husband or partner. Mm-hmm. You know, you link this, you link this to any client, any individual, say to them, what would you change about your mum or your dad? Well, I would make them less critical. Okay. What would you change about your wife? I would make her less critical. You know, it's it's the pat, it's the wound that is mirrored within your relationships. And it doesn't have to be your intimate relationships. It could be the relationship with your boss. I would like my boss to be less critical. Or, you know, it could be something within like a family member or a friend. But your mother, your unhealed mother and father wounds play out in your current relationships. And it is the one thing you didn't get as a child. Mm. This is what you lacked then, and you probably are lacking now in some way. But what people do with their mother and father wounds is they become, you know, also if they have picked up kind of a codependent behavior, which is I'm going to go fix everybody else but myself, is that because say, for example, your father was very critical and then you've attracted a very critical husband, 
you may go in to try to fix and control his criticism, try to change his criticism and control, which is you trying to heal your unhealed father wound Mm. via fixing your husband. um, And it doesn't work that way. So those are the tips to identify your mother and father wound. And also what, what may you have picked up from your mother and father in a kind of detrimental behavior. You, you could also write that down and then check where in your life you are trying to heal that via others, via changing or arguing or in conflict with others. Oh my gosh. This is a huge <laughs> undertaking. This is like, this is huge. And I don't think, and I think you were so right how you said before, it's like, this is the work. This is the work that if you focus on this and you address these issues from year one, basically, then it changes everything else. It changes maybe what career you choose. If you want to change careers, it changes your relationships with everyone in your life. I mean, this is massive stuff. Massive stuff. Massive stuff. And you do this work, you will transform everything from your own self-esteem, your own healing, your relationships go from disrespect respectful to respectful, from dysfunctional to functional. You start to do this work, you will transform your life. This is why I love doing this work. I love it when I get emails. You know, I had an email just this morning from a client who had a schizophrenic stroke OCD daughter, and I showed her exactly what to do with her teenage daughter. She'd gone to all the psychologists and doctors and got all the wrong advice. She came to me and I told her what to do regarding non-enabling of her issue. And she sent me a message and it's here, just after one session, Kelly, we have made massive progress with my daughter. Can't wait to speak again. So, yeah, I love doing this work because I love to see the changes in the world. I love to see people go from suffering to freedom. And, uh, yeah, do this work. A lot of people don't do this work until they get to pain. People need, mm. if you watch my TED Talk, I've done a TED Talk on my Ask Techniques. If you watch my TED Talk on YouTube, that talks about change and how most people create change when they've hit rock bottom, when they, you know, when they're on their like second heart attack and then they're looking at their health or they're, mm-hmm. they've been, they're on their second bankruptcy and then they're looking at their finances or they're on their third divorce and they think, oh, maybe it's my relationship behaviors. So, you know, do this work, but generally people will do this work when they hit pain and pain is good because it makes you go, ah, I need to change. Yeah. Suffering is good for others, but you know, for yourself and others, because from the mud comes the lotus. We need to go to the mud first. That was one of my questions. I was like, trauma obviously is awful and terrible, but does it serve a purpose? And it sounds like it does, it, because that is the yes. impetus to make positive changes to hard-driven behavioral habits. Yes, yes. Trauma, suffering, pain is wonderful. Because from that space, a person can go inwards and take accountability and start to change their patterns for less suffering. You know, it's like Nelson Mandela. He was in, you know, prison, being tortured, living on a hard concrete floor with a tiny blanket. And he studied philosophy, psychology, human behavior, spirituality, and, you know, was able to forgive those people that tortured him and invited those guards to his ceremony in South Africa when he was made president. So, you know, and then Nelson Mandela died a legend. So from his 
pain, he grew and descended and helped others. And I think we must look at trauma, pain and suffering like this because it is part of life. We're not going to be wrapped in cotton wool. We're not going to wrap our children in cotton wool. Even look at your children as any suffering or pain as being good for their awakening, good for their growth, good for their life. Um, pain, suffering, trauma is part of life, but taking some kind of accountability for what may be your part in it would help. And look, some people that are children or powerless over trauma, you know, you know, when I say this, somebody might say to me, yeah, but, you know, a child didn't choose to be abused, for example. But I would say to that, no, they were powerless over that and they were a victim to that. But at some point, um, they have to look to release that trauma to go forward. You know, trauma pain serves a purpose in that it hurts you to awaken you. Mm. It hurts you to make you strong. It hurts you to make you grow. The lotus does come from the mud. There's no way I'm helping millions of people if I hadn't gone through two car accidents, mm. two nervous breakdowns, two divorces. You know, I lost a baby, did four years of IDF, lost my mother to alcoholism, you know, I've gone through that to be in pain, to transcend it, to then be able to help others. So trauma, suffering, pain is a part of life and we must not resist it, but embrace it for the growth. Again, such a hard task, but the the end result, even just along the journey, along the road is so worth it. What would you say to people who are beginning this journey and they're hitting a little bit of reticence because those in their lives, maybe their parents or, you know, people in their lives who have abused them in the past in some form or fashion, aren't taking any of the ownership. They're doing all this work, this inner work, and the people that they're communicating and they're trying to heal with are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even remember that. Well, you know, a lot of us, you know, I, I'm generation Z, is it? I'm not sure if it's X or Z, these generations. You know, a lot of us have parents that were you know my my parents were post second world war so they they were like my mum was one of nine my dad was one of nine yeah. they were like struggling for food back then you know so they have their own trauma they have their own limitations as children they've gone through their own suffering At, you know generations before us didn't do mental health they didn't you know they they got put in a in a nut house, mm -hmm. a psychiatric unit, if they had mental health issues. You know, it's only recently that mental health, you know, awakening, self-development is kind of like a trendy thing or being um, embraced upon. So, so a lot of our parents have gone through their own journeys of trauma, pain, and they are passing down in, in the generations, perhaps abusive behaviors. And, a lot of them will not take accountability. A lot of them don't want to talk to you about, you know, when if you approach your mother and she might be a little bit narcissistic and you say, you know what, mum, there was a lot of emotional abuse when I was younger and I'm upset about that. You know, if you're going to approach her in a blaming type of upset way and she's slightly narcissistic, she can't take accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, you're not going to get perhaps the healing from your mother, from your father. I didn't. I had to go off and do work with a therapist or a healer and take accountability for the pain that's within me 
parents weren't going to take accountability. And, and if I keep going to them with resentment and blaming them, that's not going to help. You're just kind of rehashing that dynamic. You, you accept that some people are not going to take accountability or be responsible for the harm they've placed on you, but you take accountability being responsible be responsible for the pain that is within yourself and you go work with someone to release it. And part of that releasing is to look at parents and be not so much in a forgiving mindset because I think some people can't do like the, what Mandela does in that they forgive at that level. You can look and understand that that person is limited. You can understand that that person is unconscious. You can understand that that person can't take accountability and that's okay but you can perhaps take accountability for shifting your resentment, which is, I don't like what you did, that is resentment, to, I understand that you are limited. And that understanding will infuse your being with a higher consciousness than what resentment might do. Plus, learn boundaries around parents. You know, I worked on boundaries towards my mother before she passed away. I had compassion and boundaries for her which was great. And what does that look like? Because I think that's an issue that so many people have, especially tuning in. What do healthy boundaries look like? Not, not being someone who's cold or completely cut off from someone, but different. There's a difference in how you interact. Yeah. So I think, um, it's really good for human beings to, um, have like a centered energy around everybody in the world. You know, most people in the world have dysfunction, wounds, beliefs, triggers, uh, limitations, behaviors that we don't like, narcissism. That's a big buzzword. Everyone's a narcissist these right. days. You know, so so there's, you know, everybody's limited. Nobody's enlightened. Everybody has their own trauma. Everybody has their own limitations. So for you as a human being, just kind of look within yourself and say, can I understand that most people on the planet are doing, or everybody on the planet is doing the best they can with what they know? So just that sentence, that's actually in my Ask Technique book, that Mm -hmm. sentence alone, everybody on the planet is doing the best with their behavioral conditioning, their wounds, triggers, limitations. And so I understand that. So that immediately takes you from a resentment to a compassion for all. But Boundaries are about you respecting yourself, saying, I'm a human being and I deserve love, support and respect in my relationships. And I'm going to offer love, support and respect to others, even to the toxic people or the dysfunctional people or the narcissists out there. I'm going to I'm not going to extend anxiety and anger because that's what they want. I'm going to extend resentment, anger, anxiousness, reactions. I'm going to extend to them respect, compassion, centeredness. But I'm going to work on my boundaries and boundaries really are about how you wish to be treated in your relationships, what your personal values are, opinions, feelings, and being willing to express these. So boundaries look like, you know, communicating in an assertive, respectful, calm manner to others what you expect, you know. So it's like how you wish to be treated, you know. And um, it could look like something like if you have a mother that's overly critical, for example, and she's consistently criticizing you, instead of saying, mom, hey, you know, you know, in an angry or resentful way, a boundary could look like in a centered, compassionate, calm space, expressing to her, hey, I feel criticized, please stop. Or even in, in, a, in, a, in a laughing, we can say, 
laughing way, in a jokingly way, you can say, hey, you're doing your critical thing again. I saw that. Please give me some encouragement. You know, like, but it's, do, it's wow. done in a light-hearted, calm, firm, respectful manner. And if we learn boundaries and expression of boundaries in a centered energy, you transform your relationships from disrespectful to respectful. I think that that is scary for a lot of people because that they associate boundaries with confrontation and nobody wants to upset anyone, even like another parent in the classroom or anything like that. So we then have an avoidant uh, relationship with most people. I know that that was the case for with me for a long, long time. I just was terrified of any kind of confrontation. So I would just remove myself. Yeah. And I think we need to look at boundaries as or boundaries or assertiveness is not aggression or confrontation it doesn't mean that boundaries and assertiveness is I have respect for myself and I have respect for you and it's okay for me to express my needs and I'm going to perhaps work on a compromise with you so it's all about respect vulnerability compassion confidence and you know um, it's okay to express your needs And the people in your life that do love, respect, support you, value the relationship will listen to them. And the people in your life that do not love, support, respect you, you will know. And then at least you can say after the first boundary, because you only give boundaries once, you don't give them second, third, fourth, fifth time, because that's nagging, that's conflict. Mm. You give your boundaries once, and then you can see if that person respects you, cares for your needs, and if they are willing to perhaps alter, if necessary. And from that place, you can decide if what if what they're doing is bordering on mistreatment or abuse. You can then decide if that's a deal breaker for you and what you need to do with that relationship. Oh, that's brilliant. And it's so empowering. And that ultimately, again, is the goal of this show is to empower the listener to make little changes in their life that are going to put them in the driver's seat and to help them create a truly beautiful life. And everything that you're saying is just brilliant and is going to help them do that. And oh my gosh, we are almost at the end of time. I'm so pumped. <laughs> um, oh, there's so many different directions we could go. But if there were if there were any final message that you would want to leave with the listener to the woman tuning in who wants to have a healthy mindset, who wants to model healthy mental programming for her children, what would that message be? Um, that message would be to get on the self-love path, get on the healing journey, and if you can, um, and work on your happiness your confidence, your self-esteem, your emotional energy, and being the wonderful model that you can so that your children can model that. Look at your ways of, you know, look at your thinking patterns, your emotions and your habits, and look to cleanse them in the best way you know how. Get support if you need to, so that you're, so that the generations, I feel upset when I say this, so that the generations going forward can be better yeah I get passionate because I get passionate about that because I I really feel that you know kids suffer kids suffer because of the uh, limitations they see in their parents so the best gift to your child is your own self-improvement and self-development Beautiful. And I fully agree with that. And because of people like you in the world, this is happening and change is happening and 
healing and all of that. So where can our listener get your book, find your TED Talk, find you online, work with you if they choose to do so? Give us all the things. Um, so Kelly Armitage, if you Google me, uh, I think there's a load of media stuff. Um, kellyarmitage.com is my website. I'm Kelly Armitage on TikTok. I think we have nearly 300,000 followers yes. now. But yeah, if you go on Google, you'll see me there. Yes. And, and happy I'm- to help anybody with anything. Happy to. That's my whole purpose is to help alleviate suffering in the world. And you're doing that. And especially in a venue like TikTok, where you do these brilliant drawings as you're explaining these kind of complex psychological theories, like you're getting the message across in such a concise and a, and a I don't know, straight to the brain kind of way where it's, it's understandable <laughs> for people of all ages. No, I think it's so great. And I'm just... I'm not glad for your personal trauma, but I'm, I'm glad that you're using it for good and for the light. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Liz. It's been an honor to be here. And thank you for having me on your lovely podcast. Absolutely. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, where we navigate the beautiful chaos of motherhood together. For more inspiration and insights, please visit our website at motherhoodunstressed.com, or you can visit me on social at motherhoodunstressed. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time, stay unstressed, empowered, and embrace the joy of motherhood. Take care, and I'll catch you on the next episode.